coming up on the Keto Camp Podcast, we have such an amazing topic, a very important topic we have never discussed before, and that is all about the opioid addiction crisis. And hear me out, even if this is not relevant to you, we're going to discuss the role of vitamin D, and it's going to be a masterclass on how this works. So we bring on a journalist, an incredible researcher, Alec Boswick. Of the people that continue to use painkillers long after they should have probably stopped from the operation, what were their vitamin D levels prior to entering that operation? And like, what are they now? And they noticed the people that had low vitamin D levels, therefore weren't exposed to the sun, were much more likely to continue using those prescription opioids longer than the people that had adequate vitamin D levels to begin with. And so there's a lot of evidence pointing to the the idea that in climates, particularly with our lifestyles where we're we're in the Midwest or the Northeast, the Pacific Northwest, where it's kind of gloomy half the year, and we're in our cars, we're driving to work, we're sitting on the computer, we're not getting exposed to the sun, we're not getting enough vitamin D, we're not getting the UV to kind of satiate the the opioid levels, that all it requires is is a little taste of that that synthetic opioid, and suddenly our brain already starved of it because we don't have enough vitamin D or UV light, our brains respond really well to it and suddenly become very dependent or addictive to it. We have access to ancient healing strategies such as ketosis, fasting, and carnivore. And on the Keto Camp Podcast, we are determined to deliver the science to you. We bring in the thought leaders in this space to have extraordinary conversations so you could apply it and change your life. Your body was built to thrive. Your body is capable of healing as long as you identify the interference and remove it. I believe you are a masterpiece because you are a piece of the master. My name is Ben Azadi. I'm the best-selling author of Keto Flex, and I want to thank you for spending part of your day with me. Hey, Keto Camper, Ben Azadi here, the host of the Keto Camp Podcast. Thank you for pressing play today. Today, we bring on a journalist based out of New York City who actually flew down to Miami for the interview. So it's an in-person interview, and you can watch the video version on youtube.com slash ketocamp with a gentleman named Alec Boswick from Boswicky. That is his YouTube channel. My social media manager, Ada, a few months ago emailed me and said, you got to check out this guy. I know it's off topic that what things we discuss here on the Keto Camp podcast, but it's a very important topic and that is the opioid crisis and vitamin D and the receptor sites and how vitamin D works in the body and the ways to raise vitamin D. So she shared with me this documentary that, that Alec made on his YouTube channel, which is all about this hypothesis that he formulated a few years ago about the crisis to pain med addiction, drug addiction, opioid addiction, and how that is a result of low vitamin D levels. So he did this incredible experiment. I'm not going to give it away right now because we're going to share it on the actual interview, but the experiment was incredible. And I encourage you to watch the 30-minute documentary after the interview is done. We'll put a link for that down below. So interesting, his hypothesis that the states, the people that have low vitamin D levels have a dependency on pain meds and opioids and addiction 
And now getting your vitamin D levels up through sunshine is the best way to combat these addictive behaviors. So you're going to understand the role between UVA and UVB, sunblock, good or bad, why it is important to get sunshine and get your vitamin D levels up, how insulin, or I should say high levels of insulin, block vitamin D production, a condition called heliophilia, which is an addiction to sunshine, an addiction to tanning beds. Look, I thought this was baloney, but it's actually a thing, and he actually developed this addiction, and we'll talk about that. This is a very important topic. If you know anybody struggling with opioid addiction, pain med addiction, this is going to be a conversation you want to share with them. So listen to it. You'll understand the role of vitamin D on a level you've never understood before. And it's just a fascinating conversation. You're going to love it. And then I encourage you to check out the documentary after this is done. Before I bring on Alec, I want to get to today's Apple podcast rating and review of the day. This is a five-star review from Baker Wen titled Gratitude. And here's what Baker said. I'm thinking of what I'm grateful for. One thing is people like Ben. I have been doing keto for two years with great deal of success, but with still issues of losing hair and weight stall. I'm so thankful for the podcast and all of the guests that share what they have learned and how the body works. This is such a great resource of information. Thank you, Baker. Sorry to hear that you're struggling with a weight stall and losing hair. You know, keto flexing is the antidote to that. We want to flex you out of ketosis and get you back in. We have episodes about that. Of course, I have a book written all about that called Keto Flex. We want to support the thyroid. We want to support the mitochondria. And we do that by flexing. So find a good flex approach that works for you. It's different for everybody. Ketoflexbook.com if you want to get the book and learn more about that. I do appreciate you listening and leaving the review. Thank you so very much. Before I bring on Alec, I want to let you know that tomorrow, January 23rd at 12 p.m. Eastern time, I'm hosting a live training all about detox, environmental toxins, and I'm going to discuss the role of toxins as it relates to weight gain, weight loss resistance, autoimmune conditions, something called the cell danger response, which is prevalent in long COVID symptoms, and the four main toxins to be aware of and how to remove them safely and effectively. This is free. This is going to be a very important masterclass, and you could join it and reserve your spot by going to toxinsmasterclass.com. That is toxins, plural, with an S. And you could uh, learn about this. There's going to be a 24-hour replay available too. We'll drop that link down below in the notes. So I hope to see you there. Without further ado, let's get into a really fascinating conversation with Alec Bostwick. Alec Bostwick, better known online as Bostwicky, is an American journalist who analyzes the media and reports on various topics. Some of the videos talk about the day of the life of a journalist, such as mistakes people make, and this topic is focused around the opioid crisis. So without further ado, here is Alec. Alistair, Alec, welcome, welcome to Miami and welcome to the Keto Camp Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So I was just, yeah, I was just telling you, Ada, who's my social media manager, shout out to you, Ada. She put you on my radar. I hadn't heard about your YouTube channel, which is Boss Wiki. Yeah. Fantastic channel. We'll talk about that. Thank you. She sent me this video of yours about a couple months ago. She's like, you got to check out this guy's YouTube channel and you got to check out this specific video. It's a documentary that you did because you had, and I want you to explain it. This yeah. is really wild, by the way. And everybody, you're going to want to watch the full documentary. We'll reference it down below. One of the most fascinating experiments I've seen. I actually rewatched it today to prepare for the interview. 
But you explained, you had an idea, you had an hypothesis, and what did you end up doing, Alec? The hypothesis was based on a few research papers I had uncovered and then spoke to the doctor up at Mass General who was doing the research on UV light and its effects on the opioid receptors in the brains. And a lot of the research had been done with mice, but theoretically after speaking to him, it applies to humans and there had been anecdotal evidence that UV light affects the opioid receptors in mice to humans to most brains. And so I radiated myself quite aggressively <laughs> with UV light. And then I took Narcan, which is you know, the drug naltrexone or naloxone. But before is, you, before you, yeah. ra you radiated yourself, yes. like explain that. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I, I very methodically went about dosing myself with, with a lot of UV. For any viewer's reference, I live in New York City, not exactly the most sunny place. So I, I went out and deliberately exposed myself to two hours of sun every day during the summer. And then on top of that, I would go to a tanning bed and just tan myself vigorously to expose myself to as much UV light as I could. And you went out during between 11 a.m. and 1 p.m. Yeah, which is the, the highest the UV highest, index, yeah. right? So I figured out when the, the like UV index, like correct me if I'm wrong, but it's something like one to 10, or there's an index one to 12, I think it's the index. I think it's one to 12, yeah, one yeah. to 12. <laughs> My memory is failing me here. So I went during the highest possible time, did it for about three months. And on top of that, I would go to the tanning bed, just, just radiate my body with UV light. And at the end of it, around 90 days, I took Narcan and just nasal injected myself with Narcan to see if I could, to see if I could trigger a opioid withdrawal response. Because that's what Narcan is used yeah, for. Yeah, Narcan is used for medically when there's an opioid overdose, fentanyl or heroin, you see someone in the street and the EMTs respond. Yeah. They generally are, are administering Narcan immediately to try to revive the patient. And Narcan is very effective at that. Yeah. So if so, you're watching like uh, Ozarks or one of yeah. those movies and somebody's overdosing on um, heroin. Yeah. You see them get injected with Narcons and uh, boom, they're yeah. waking up and they're, you know, they're spinning all over themselves. Yeah. It, it, Narcan basically rips the whatever's binding to the opioid receptors in one's brain. It rips them off really fast and, and causes not only if they're not breathing, the respiratory you know, allow them to breathe, but it'll put them in withdrawal as yeah. well. It just, you know, gone. And so therefore, given if Narcan works on normal opioid usage, and if there's a correlation between UV light and a, an opioid effect in the brain, Narcan should have the same effect. So I UV'd my body up, took the Narcan, and it put me right into full withdrawal, very uncomfortable. <laughs> uh, wrote it out, but it proved to at least my satisfaction that indeed the research that's being done up over in Harvard and then some, some other former NIH scientists have looked into this, that UV light does affect the, the opioid receptors in the brain in a, in a pretty consistent way. Okay, so that video of you taking the Narcans, is that how you say it properly? I always feel like I butcher that. Narcans? Narcan. Narcan. Singular. Yeah, I, Narcan. I'm saying plural. Narcan. You're there, I think, four minutes in after you did the nasal spray, and you're like, I, oh, I'm noticing my legs. Uh, I, yeah. I'm starting to sweat. Explain that. What were you feeling? Yeah, so I, I was a little gung-ho about it. I, I'm not an abuser or user of opioids, so I didn't really know what to expect. I had spoken to a few physicians, and, and they said, yeah, you know, it's a pretty common application to people that are overdosing on opioids opioids should be relatively safe. It, you might feel withdrawal symptoms. I didn't know really what to expect. And it's a, it's a standard nasal spray. Like 
imagine taking your allergy medication, yeah. you know, type of deal. So I, I give it a go and you feel the little nasal drip. And I didn't feel anything at first for the first couple of minutes. I thought, oh, this is a bust. And then slowly it just started to creep up on me. And the first thing I noticed was the legs, it, hard to articulate. They just felt very, very, very painful. Like they'd locked up and then my eyes started to water. I was yawning constantly and it just went all downhill from there. Got very nauseous, full sweat, heartbeat went through the roof. Mm. Not great, but it took, I don't know, a good five to 10 minutes for it to really take an effect. And how did it, how long did it last overall? You ended up puking. Oh, yeah. So uh, 30 minutes into it, I was dope sick equivalent of like felt. I sympathize with people that are in withdrawal. I'll say that Mm -hmm. it was not pleasant. And then I had spoken ahead of time to some doctors. So I was like, I think I'm doing this. Like, yeah, it'll be all right. That, oh, you know, it's going to reduce your dopamine levels. When you take Narcan, it's going to rip off your dopamine levels, your serotonin levels, your endorphins. Like a way to counteract that a little bit is if you're able to, you know, get your heart rate up, get you running, something to get your endorphins kind of back. Mm. So I just went and started trying to run. I still felt terrible for like eight to 12 hours. Oh, wow. Yeah. Is when I, by the 12 hour mark, I felt basically normal. All but, for the sake of journalism. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> I love it. As far as I know, I'm the only person that's like deliberately dosed themselves with ultraviolet light and then Narcan themselves to, to see if it would trigger an opioid response. And it did. This is really important because let's talk about opioid addiction and how it's become so prevalent. I mean, there've been wars in the past based off of opioids. Yeah. China. China and and, and Britain, right? Yeah. Yeah. Ada sent me a whole bunch of info I have here. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is, this is fascinating. So share a little bit more about, you know, the prevalence of opioid addiction out there. And then you also made a strong correlation between that happening in those states that lack sunshine versus those that have more sunshine. The internet's great for going down rabbit holes. For sure. But (laughs) this is actually a pretty scientific, you know, reasonable rabbit hole. The more I talked to MD, PhDs that were kind of researching into the the epidemiology of what's going on here. Because if if we step back and we think about ultraviolet lights and sunlight and opioids and mood just in general... What initially led me on this hypothesis is I was paying attention to SAD, like seasonal affective disorder. In if your viewers are in the Midwest or in Seattle or Alaska, people have seasonal affective disorder. Yeah. And I was reading, there was a comment that caught my eye. And the comment was seasonal affective disorder seems to correlate more with visible light being readily available in the mornings and not to do with melanocytes converting to mu opioids. And I was like, huh? And that's what initially led me to start digging deeper. When was this? What year? Oh, this is 2020? 2020. You know, I said a lot of free time. COVID, just sitting there reading published research papers in New York City. (laughs) My kind of style, my kind of style. (laughs) And and so the evidence had, had indicated that seasonal affect disorder really the best cure for seasonal affect disorder, from my understanding, is just getting visible sunlight in, in the eyes in the morning. Visible sunlight. You'll be able to see the, the sky outside and it just improves the mood. But that, that side comment, which like it doesn't have to do with melanocytes being translated 
into opioids. I was like, well, wait, I've never heard of this. What is this? So separate from seasonal affect disorder that has to do with visible light that you see in the morning, there's something else going on, which, which you don't see, ultraviolet light, which is also coming from the sun, but it's a different frequency. So it's not visible light. And so independent of, of visible light, the sunlight, when you have ultraviolet light, it's having effects on the body. One, it's, it's replenishing your vitamin D levels, which have a variety of health benefits. The second thing it's, it's doing over time is it's populating, for lack of better words, a little bit of a human's opioid receptors, very similar to heroin, morphine, fentanyl, Vicodin. It's not a strong response, but it, it's, it's subtle and over time, that's why, again, there's been studies, if, you, if you're in the sun for a long day, you'll kind of feel tired, you'll kind of feel maybe reinvigorated. So you're getting a little bit of an opioid stimulation, a little bit of a, a narcotic feeling from that UV light, you know, a day at the beach. And why people sometimes really like tanning beds, because mm -hmm. they get that, that opioid effect. What is that term you used in your documentary where you're addicted to sunbathing and sun tanning? Oh, heliophilia. That's what it was. Yes, heliophilia. There's, yeah. a, there's a, a Latin term for you know, addicted to the sun. That happened to you, didn't you say? Yes, yeah. yeah. It, it's, once I, I started, I'll back up and say, so the seasonal affect disorder, I was like, okay, fair enough. This UV light thing is interesting. Let me explore that farther. And I had spoken to Dr. Fisher, who was working at Mass General, and doing research on mice, he was radiating mice and, and showing they had a response and were starting to like the UV light. They would choose it like you would choose cocaine or any other drug. They had some sort of addictive response to it. I thought, oh, well, let me just start exposing myself to sun at a higher dose than I normally would living in New York City at a certain latitude in the line. And after a couple of weeks, I liked it. And when I didn't go out, I'd be, I'd be moody. Mm. I'd want to go get the sun. I want to, you know, sit there and feel it. And it's subtle, but to me, it was definitely noticeable. The takeaway is just that certainly the ultraviolet light on top of producing vitamin D, which is very important to the body for a variety of different reasons from the fact that it boosts your immune system. We can get into the health effects. It's doing two things. The ultraviolet light, while it's, it's, satiating some of the, the opioid receptors in your brain at a healthy level. Dr. Fisher, you're welcome to look into the research papers and we can show them to your audience at some point. Vitamin D also mediates the, the body's response to opioids. So when they went and looked at outpatient operations, people that had, let's say, tonsillectomy or yeah, gallbladder removal or something that wasn't too serious, they had to go in, painful, here's a prescription or a, a painkiller prescription, take it. And then they would follow up and see of the people that continue to use painkillers long after they should have probably stopped from the operation, what were their vitamin D levels prior to entering that operation? And like, what are they now? And they noticed the people that had low vitamin D levels, therefore weren't exposed to the sun, were much more likely to continue using those prescription mm -hmm. opioids longer than the people that had adequate vitamin D levels to begin with. And so there's a lot of evidence pointing to the, to the idea that in climates, particularly with our lifestyles, where we're, if you work in the Midwest or the Northeast, the Pacific Northwest, where it's kind of gloomy half the year, 
And we're in our cars, we're driving to work, we're sitting on the computer, we're not getting exposed to the sun, we're not getting enough vitamin D, we're not getting the UV to kind of satiate the, the opioid levels, that all it requires is, is a little taste of that, that synthetic opioid. And suddenly our brain already starved of it because we don't have enough vitamin D or UV light. Ooh, it, our brains respond really well to it and suddenly we become very dependent or addictive to it. It's so fascinating. Yeah. So, I mean, this is so important um, for anybody who's watching or listening who knows somebody who's addicted to a painkiller to op opioids right now. Because potentially, and of course, work with a practitioner, do your own research. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but potentially... There's a strong argument that, you know, getting somebody who's addicted to painkillers and opioids, getting them out in the sun, yes, getting their vitamin D levels up could make it easier for them to wean off yes. to mitigate especially some of the symptoms as well. 100%, Ben. So in talking with the, the few researchers that have been looking at this, there's two approaches to go about it. There's one, making sure that you're getting enough sunlight, vitamin D, just baseline throughout your life. So you're less likely, your, your brain's less likely to respond to prescription painkillers if you need them in an addictive way. The second half on the flip side is people that are already abusing or dependent on opioids rather than a kind of medieval old fashioned way that we have at the moment of methadone clinics where mm -hmm. we kind of put them on maintenance and we try to, well, we're going to shuffle you from heroin or fentanyl. We're going to put you on a methadone clinic and you're going to go each day to the methadone clinic. And then we're going to slowly try to taper your dose down on, on methadone. The evidence points that you could do the same thing with ultraviolet light. You could substitute out methadone for ultraviolet light since they're, they're both satiating the, the opioid receptors and use ultraviolet light as a way to titrate somebody that's opioid dependent down on a lower and lower and lower and lower doses and eventually get them off it. So tanning beds could do that too. Right. And th this is th this is the dual-edged sword of tanning beds. So I'm happy to admit or, or willing to admit, I for a long time laughed at the idea of this kind of like tanning bed addiction. Oh, you know, these <laughs> right. people are just vain. Same. You know, yeah. they, 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 maybe body dysmorphia, whatever's going on. They just, I, I didn't believe it. I just thought, whatever. No, I, the evidence is pretty clear at this point, I believe, and I think you can find pretty compelling evidence by pretty esteemed researchers at the tops of their fields that tanning beds, because they are just very potent UVA light, they are just as addictive as, as Vicodin or oxycodone or, or heroin or any other opioid. And so it, it can go both ways. You can get addicted to tanning beds, mm -hmm. but you can also use a tanning bed as, as a tool to get someone off synthetic opioids. Hey, when was the last time you bit into a juicy burger or a perfectly cooked steak and thought to yourself, this is the best thing I've ever tasted? If it's been a while, it's probably because most meat products are conventionally raised, which not only affects the flavor profile, but significantly diminishes the beneficial nutrients and minerals. And believe it or not, even products that are labeled as grass-fed or ethically raised to make you think they're high quality are often finished on grain or in factory farms, which is why I am so excited to share something with you today that will not only help you avoid the hormones, antibiotics, and pesticide residues that diminish the taste of conventionally raised meat, but could also save you nearly $1,000 over the next year on your grocery bill. And the best part? 
this may be the best tasting thing you've had in a long time. So what the heck am I talking about? I'm talking about Wild Pastures Meat Delivery. They provide the highest quality meats from small, regenerative, family-run farms here in the United States that prioritize sustainability and animal welfare. Their beef is 100% grass-fed. Their pork and poultry are pasture-raised, something you won't find anywhere in the grocery store, resulting in meats that are not only healthier for you, but also better for the environment. One of the reasons why me and my fiance Natasha loves wild pastures is that we can opt out out of supporting harmful conventional farming practices and instead support small family-run farms without spending a fortune. And the convenience doesn't stop there. They offer delivery straight to your door so you can enjoy delicious, high-quality meats without even leaving your house. No matter where you are in the lower 48 states, Wild Pastures has got you covered. Not only is this the most convenient way to get your meat products, but wild pasture meats are better for you nutritionally and they're higher in the total nutrients, phytonutrients, antioxidants, key fatty acids, vitamins, minerals, proteins, and amino acids. And today, for keto campers, for a limited time, you can get 20% off every box plus free shipping for life and... $15 off your first box. This is a crazy deal, and I hope you take advantage of it. So make the switch to Wild Pastures today and save nearly $1,000 on your grocery bill while feeling healthier and enjoying the best tasting meats of your life. All you need to do is go to the link in the podcast notes down below. Everything is already applied. All you got to do is click that link, customize your order, and you'll have some delicious, healthy tasting meats very soon. Head to the podcast notes down below, click the link, enjoy your wild pastures. Okay, let's get right back to this episode. What have you seen? What kind of outpouring have you seen on your YouTube videos regarding this and your social media content? What are some, maybe some comments or some stories people have shared about, you know, once they discovered your your video about this, what are some things that you've seen? I think people have had a variety of responses to it. The biggest one to my mind is it articulated, hopefully, or some people have said it articulated something that they felt but weren't weren't sure about, which is they they lived in Ohio and in Columbus and it was gloomy all the time or they, you know, they're around Portland, Oregon, and they ended up knowing a lot of people that got addicted to opioids. And it didn't seem like anybody in Arizona is really addicted to opioids the way you kind of see ravaging the Midwest or Portland, Oregon. And the fact that it's much gloomier and the, the sunlight effect has such a, a big difference on, on people's predisposition to getting addicted or they themselves are getting addicted or found that their mood or happiness was much better when they were getting chronic sunlight. They felt vindicated like, oh, maybe my lifestyle or those lifestyles of people living in in Detroit or Indianapolis, you know, where it was quite gloomy. It's like, oh, maybe there's a variety of variables here that are going on that are contributing to the kind of opioid crisis we're seeing in the U.S. outside of Mexico and China are just shipping a bunch of fentanyl and people are idiots and getting addicted. There's a variety of biological and environmental factors that are taking place both climactically and our lifestyle that are that are leading to people getting hooked on these things that 
you know, are fine, normal, like smart people and wind up in a bad situation. What happens when you wear sunblock all the time and sunglasses? Are you still getting the benefits? So sunblock is kind of a controversial subject. This is where perhaps some of the doctors and I would spar. A lot of the doctors are dermatologists by training that were doing the research. And dermatology is a big focus because I see a lot of it is is skin cancer and yeah. skin cancer is as a serious thing. And skin cancer is caused by overexposure to the sun, specifically ultraviolet radiation causes a lot of skin cancer. In the, the sunblocks kind of Dr. Fisher, who in the video I, I speak to is the one who really did the research on mice and kind of proved the, the direct link between ultraviolet light and opioid receptors. He very much was of the mind that, well, let's still avoid UV light because it can cause skin cancer. Take a vitamin D supplement, take a vitamin D supplement. I myself might be a more a little loosey-goosey. You know, I think it's good to get outside, good to get the sun. It just encourages a more active lifestyle. The sunblocks are, are tricky because a lot of the sunblocks, when you dig down into their active ingredients, they tend to block, again, if I'm getting too into the weeds, stop me. So there's ultraviolet A and ultraviolet B, and they're two different wavelengths, and they do slightly different things. UVB is the one that's, that's responsible for your body producing vitamin D, and also sunburns. UVA is responsible for suntans. The sunblock manufacturers have recognized that people want to put on sunblock and, you know, not get sunburned because it's uncomfortable, but they also want to get suntan as well. So a lot of the suntan lotions or blocks you put on are kind of harmful in the sense that you put them on and you go to the beach and you think, oh, terrific, I didn't get burned and somehow I'm still tan. Well, they're actually blocking the UVB part of it, which is blocking you from getting burned. But it's also blocking your vitamin D ability, your body's ability to synthesize vitamin D because it's blocking UVB in particular, but allowing UVA light. So I'm not a huge proponent of sunblocks just because I think a lot of the marketing behind it's not very honest. Mm -hmm. And often it's blocking vitamin D synthesis, which I think is very important. And people just don't take vitamin D supplements. They're not on their mind. They think, oh, I'll go outside. Maybe I'll put on some sunblock. It'll be good for me. I'm going to get my vitamin D. And you're actually not getting your vitamin D. Yeah. That sunblock's blocking your vitamin D synthesis. So unless you really dig into the various manufacturers and what combination they're using to block the sun. You know, I, I would say do your own research. It's kind of a complicated subject. It's important. Yeah. It's important. I Look, I'm against, you know, for the most part, using sunscreen, using sunblock. Yeah. That's one reason why. Another reason why is because typically it's loaded with chemicals. And right. It's going into your bloodstream, going into your body. If you're going to do sunscreen, if you know you're going to be outside for a long period of time, you're going to, you're here in Miami, you're going to be out yeah. between like 11 a.m. and 3 p.m. You're on a boat, whatever it is. I have found different ways other than sunscreen that I'll share with my audience that actually prevent you from burning. You could actually, this might sound weird, but you could actually put beef, beef tallow or even lard on your okay. face or the areas you want to prevent burning. Yeah. And it prevents you from actually burning. It actually gets you a nice tan. So okay, lard or beef towel, putting fat from animals on your face. But not everybody wants to do that. Something else you can do, I have found anecdotally, that individuals who consume a lot of uh, 
polyunsaturated fats. So these are like vegetable oils and seed okay. oils. These are these are fats that have been adulterated and made in a factory, right? Yeah. So like canola oil, corn oil, soybean oil. They'll extract from these vegetables the oil and they'll process it at high temperatures and chemical detergents and a lot of people cook with them and fry, a lot of fried foods with that. I have found that people who consume a lot of vegetable oils burn easier. And I think okay. the reason why is because the linoleic acid, which is the fat in these vegetable oils, has a half-life in the body about 680 days, okay, which is a very long time. And those who take a lot of fish oil, I also have seen burn easily too. Hmm. Okay. With research, because that's anecdotal, but with research, there's a lot of research showing that astaxanthin, which is the antioxidant that gives salmon that orange color. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Krill, that red color. Astaxanthin is kind of like internal sunscreen, where if you take three milligrams up to 10 milligrams on a day, you're going to be exposed to a lot of sunshine. It prevents the skin burning and you get the benefits of UVA and UVB and the mm -hmm. opioid and all that stuff. So taking astaxanthin, not from fish oil, but from an algae also could help from sunburning. So I would go that route instead of putting a whole bunch of toxic sunscreen on your body or sunblock That's on your fair. body. Uh, if you're going to do sunblock, you know, just simple zinc oxide could do the trick and, and yeah. you know, without the chemicals. But I wanted to just add my part there because I've done a lot yeah. of research here. No, I think it's totally fair. Sunblock, people have very strong opinions on sunblock that run the continuum. And I would say, you know, kind of take what you say, figure out what works for you. Also, your your skin type. There's a, something called the Fitzpatrick scale, which means... You know, if you're pretty pale, you're from Ireland, you're much more likely to burn much easier than just based on the melanin, the natural melanin amount in your skin. So different people are going to require different levels of sunblock just on how rapidly they're likely to sunburn. You know, I, yeah. I, I want to just emphasize that I am not a doctor and every, every doctor I have spoken to has been very adamant that they... They do not like skin cancers and they're big believers in like, oh, we need to cut down on melanomas. You know, they, they like sunblock. So I don't want to ignore all the, the, that, <laughs> I want to at least do them justice. Yeah. Yes, yes. I've been told. That's fair. Yeah. You know, and then the argument to that would be, okay, but skin melanoma, skin cancer is, is a, a result of something. And they would say, yeah, it's a result of getting too much sun and yeah. getting burned. But I would ask the question, why are we getting burned? Right. I don't think it's because of the sun exposure necessarily. It goes back to what I just shared. I think it's because of our nutrition. We're yeah. eating bad fats that are becoming a part of our cells, our cell sure. makeup that are easily oxidized and in fish oil, et cetera. Because for example, me, although I'm from the Middle East, my parents are from Iran. I actually, oh, okay. Yeah, they actually immigrated. Persian. I'm, yeah, Persian, first yeah, generation nice. American. And when I was younger, eating vegetable oils, eating fried food, eating Kentucky fried yeah. chicken where my mom used to work actually... I burned really easily. Okay. When I stopped eating fried food and I got rid of vegetable oils, I could go out in the sun for five hours and I'll get a nice tan. I won't get burned, right? <laughs> so it's like even me, you know, I noticed that, but I also noticed that with a lot of students. Anyways, the point is dermatologists are always going to say, right, be I, careful. I, yeah, so. <laughs> and there is a point to that. Skin cancer is the number one cancer out there. Yeah. It's very common, but, you know, let's see, let's, you know, research both parts to my audience. Right. Each person's got to make the best decision for themselves at the end of the day and, and balance the real and long-term risks uh, of skin cancers, which are the number one cancer, but also the real evidence-based facts that vitamin D and sunlight and ultraviolet light and 
just like sunlight exposure for sad are all important factors, you know, that you want to consider when trying to live a life that's, that's meaningful or, or making you yeah. happy. Move to Florida. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the sunshine state you even, you even had in your video, like go to Miami. If you watch any of my videos on social media, you always see me with glasses on. And I always get the question, hey, why are you wearing those glasses? These are called blue light blocking glasses. And I wear them to protect my brain and my focus. You see, we are bombarded with stimulation, especially with junk light from your computer screen, your phone, fluorescent lights, and the brain has to filter that out. These glasses, what they do is they filter out those lights for you so your brain does not have to do the work. I equate this to having a web browser open with 100 tabs. If you had 100 tabs open on your computer, that computer is going to run slow. But if you were able to eliminate 99 of those 100 tabs and now you just have one tab open, that computer will function better. This is the same thing with your brain. So there's different types of blue light blocking glasses. There are computer glasses that you would wear during the day when working with screens and under artificial light. There are light sensitivity glasses that you would also wear during the day with screens and artificial light. And then you have the blue light blocking glasses, which I wear at night, two to three hours before I go to bed, which promotes hormone health, helps your body produce melatonin, and aids in better sleep. My go-to is from Bon Charge. They have the science to back it up. They look super cool. The glasses come in non-prescription, prescription and reading options. Glasses for every need. Bon Charge also has other amazing products such as low blue light bulbs, red light therapy devices, EMF slash 5G protection, and 100% blackout sleep mask that I take with me when I travel all the time. The greatest thing about them, all backed up by science. They gave Keto Camp Podcast listeners a 15% off coupon code. All you need to do is head over to bondcharge.com slash ketocamp and use the coupon code ketocamp at checkout, no space in between, to get 15% off your entire order. We'll drop that link down below along with the coupon code. Go check them out and let's get back to this episode. What is your goal with this, you know, this documentary? I know you have the hypothesis, you experimented. Like, what is your goal? Like for those listening and watching, like what can we do to support this, this, these findings that you that you found out here? I don't know that I had a, a grandiose goal. It was it was a topic that fascinated me. One, because I couldn't find out much about it. That was partly due to the fact that I just happened to be catching these research papers as they were being published. You know, the research was being done. 2020, 2021, 2022, they're still working on it as yeah. we speak. New research is coming out about vitamin D, ultraviolet light, and its effects with opioids. This kind of trifecta combination is still being researched and looked at as we speak. And there'll be more research, I'm sure, in the next decade, two decades, as we get to understand in a more nuanced view how these all affect the humans, humans' interactions with with. with drugs and sunlight and vitamin D. The, the goal was for my own personal understanding of the kind of just observations I've seen of areas that seem to be hit harder by the opioid crisis and why certain people get addicted to things, why other people don't, what's behind kind of the, the lifestyle of being in the sun. And I would just encourage people to to get outside and get sunlight, you know, it, I, 
I did not appreciate until after kind of going down and doing this project and speaking to these doctors and these researchers, how important it is. Even when it's cold, if it's sunny outside, go out, get a walk, 20 minutes, 10 minutes, 50 minutes, doesn't matter. Expose your body to a little bit of sunlight, hopefully a little bit of vitamin D synthesis or start taking vitamin D. Helps your immune system among other things, but it'll also protect you against perhaps becoming opioid dependent if you find yourself in a surgery or in a bad accident and suddenly having to take a painkiller. And if your body's desperately craving that, that little opioid satiation, if you're already taking vitamin D and, and getting natural exposure to ultraviolet light, you're much less likely to become hooked on opioids. You're just much less likely to become hooked on opioids. Did you test your vitamin D levels before and after your experiment? Yes. My vitamin D levels were, were actually pretty good before and because I just take vitamin D. I had heard, oh, it's good for your immune system, et cetera. So I had... Incidentally, I've been taking vitamin D supplements to begin with. So my, my vitamin D levels raised somewhat, but they were already at a healthy baseline just because of... Just, Do you remember what the levels were? Oh, no. Because the reason I asked... I don't want to give the wrong answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. fine. <laughs> so, you know, the reason I asked is because on the, on the standard reference range yeah. on that lab report, the ranges are uh, between 30 and 100. Yeah. But I would argue that if you're 32, 35, even below 40, it's deficient in my book. Oh, that's, yeah, I shouldn't, like, the, again, the stats on vitamin D deficiency are just mind-blowing how many Americans are vitamin D deficient. Mm-hmm. It's a huge problem, again, when you start digging into huge m- most people's blood work. They're vitamin D deficient all over this country. And, and the issue is that yeah. if, they, if they get a 32 on that lab report for vitamin D, most conventional doctors would actually be like, oh, you're on the low end, but you're not deficient, right? But 32 is the deficiency. Yeah, or at very least insufficient. Yeah, like, it's, like, it's insufficient. Yeah. yeah. And I was telling you offline, but I think it's important to share this with my audience. When you have high levels of insulin production from high carbs and, yeah. and high processed carbohydrates and you're eating frequently, that does block vitamin D production in the body. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people who are insulin resistant and type 2 diabetic, which is, by the way, uh, 60% of Americans are adults are yeah. diabetic or pre-diabetic. They could take all the vitamin D supplementation in the world or even get outside. It might budge a little, but it's not going to get you into an optimal state until you lower the insulin the levels. Insulin. So there's a lot of moving parts here, right? So vitamin D is important. Right. I, I, I get mine tested frequently. I, I like to stay over 50 personally, yeah. sometimes over 60. I've never seen anything in literature that shows there's a vitamin D toxicity level. No. Although I wouldn't want to get it over 100 just because it just it sounds crazy to bring my vitamin D levels over 100. But I've never seen anything that shows a toxicity level. On the topic, though, of vitamin D supplementation. Yes. There's a an issue, I should say, or a a challenge with taking vitamin D only Mm -hmm. long-term without the other fat-soluble vitamins, A, D, E, and K together. Right. Because vitamin D and all the fat-soluble vitamins, A, D, E, and K, they all compete for the same receptor sites on our cells that pick up the message. So what ends up happening, if you take vitamin D alone without the other fat-soluble vitamins for a long period of time, it creates an insufficiency, a deficiency in the other fat-soluble vitamins. So that's why it's important to get the sun because you don't have to worry about that. Right. The sun is the best way to do it. Right. No, the biological adaptation, there's a reason why, like it, it kind of prehistoric. Again, this is, this is somewhat speculatory, but the evidence points that like the body developed in a, in a very important way to go out into the sun, even when it's cold, even if you're an Inuit or wherever you were to go out and get in the sun to get that vitamin D synthesis because 
vitamin D deficiency or in, insufficiency just leads to endless health problems. And so getting a little bit of sunlight to get vitamin D synthesis is super important for the body. Very. And, and it seems evolutionarily built that way. Just the way the, the, such, the reward system built into our brain to get sunlight that's, that's causing an opioid response is so strong. Like that's such a, a weird way to develop you know, what, UV light is tied to our opioid receptors. Yeah, wow. Yeah, well, <laughs> biologically, that's because it was so important to the success of our species to get sunlight, to get vitamin D that, you know, oh, well, we'll tie it to our opioid receptors if we need to. The body's like, get, we, humans need sunlight. We need vitamin D. This is critical. Did you hear that, uh, Bill? And this is not conspiracy. This is, I, I, I fact checked this, but Bill, <laughs> Bill Gates is, um, Global warming, right? Bill okay. Gates is trying to do something about global warming. So one of his ideas is that we need to cool down the sun. You, okay. can't, you can't cool down the sun. So what do you do? You, you create some sort of shield to kind of block it, to block the sun. Okay. So he's working on some sort of technology that blocks the sun, the UVA, UVB rays from the sun to help, with, to help cool the planet. Okay. I know you're just hearing this probably. So uh, any initial thoughts about that? <laughs> My initial thoughts are people that are hyper successful in one area tend to believe they'll be hyper successful <laughs> in all areas. And I'm not, you know, I'm a little suspicious if their genius really extends to all facets of life. So, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm highly suspicious. Yeah, if, that, if that makes sense. I, you know, okay. Bill Gates, you know, he has a lot of money doesn't seem like to me a, com a compelling reason to blot out the sun to reduce glow in you know. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Bill Gates. Yeah. Know, I mean, you know. you know, I agree with you. I think it's uh, highly suspicious. Yeah. I remember he was on the news talking about COVID and, you know, vaccines, but I was like, why is Bill Gates talking about this? It was just interesting to me when I saw him on the news stations. Well, I mean, he's either in the news for that or, taking planes with Epstein. So, you know, he's, <laughs> yeah. got, he's got to redirect, you know, yeah. <laughs> the narrative somewhere, I suppose. Have you ever felt off during your keto journey or carnivore journey? Maybe you experienced a headache, some fatigue, pesky cravings. This can happen when your body loses vital minerals, especially when following a keto diet. Here's what happens. When you lower insulin on keto and carnivore and fasting, you shed excess body weight. This is fantastic because you look lighter and feel lighter. However, you lose essential minerals like potassium, sodium, and magnesium. That's where B-Mineral steps in. It's a full-spectrum, concentrated electrolyte and mineral supplement that gives you all the essentials your body needs. B-Mineral products are the perfect support for anyone doing keto, carnivore, and fasting. It does not break your fast. It does not contain any anti-nutrients, so it is carnivore-friendly. It tastes just like water. It helps to keep your carb cravings at bay and to keep you in this fat-adapted state we love called ketosis. I love this product. I drink it daily. I give it to my dog as well. So give B Minerals a try today for an enhanced keto, carnivore, and fasting experience. Head over to beamminerals.com. And use the coupon code AZADI, which is my last name, A-Z-A-D-I, for a special discount. That is beamminerals.com, B-E-A-M-M-I-N-E-R-A-L-S.com. 
coupon code Azadi. We'll put that down below in the podcast notes. All right, let's get back to this interview. We have something in common, which is uh, dairy. Adam put it on my radar okay. that we both did some research on dairy. You know, some of the, one of the big things people do when they do a keto diet is they eat a lot of cheese and dairy. Okay, yeah. And I discovered, and I, I found out through Ada that you found the same thing, that um, about 75% of the adult population in the world is actually lactose intolerant. Like, yes. Yeah, 75%. Yeah, yeah, it's a huge percentage. It blew my mind yeah. when I never thought anything of it growing up. You know, I just drank my milk. And then, you know, I would hear in class, oh, this one student's lactose intolerant. I grew mm-hmm. up in the Midwest, the most like white, vanilla. Kansas. Yeah, Kansas, just, just your standard corn-fed Midwest Germanic, you know. People just drank milk, you know, you got milk, the ads everywhere. I remember growing up. And then somewhere along the line, I think I was speaking to a Korean friend or somebody said, yeah, you know, I'm lactose intolerant. Everybody I'm from is lactose intolerant. I'm like, I mean, everybody's lactose intolerant in Korea. Yeah. And then I looked it up. Oh, most Asians are lactose intolerant. And it turns out most people in the world are lactose intolerant. In the world. Yeah. 75%. Yeah. As adults, because we end up losing our ability. As kids, we could. Yes, correct. And then as we grow up, we end up losing the ability, which makes sense. You know, as a kid, you want to actually be growing and getting milk. Yes. But as an adult, you don't really need to grow anymore. So (laughs) there's no need for it. Now, that is as it relates to pasteurized cow dairy. Raw dairy could be different. Okay. Uh, That study was done on pasteurized. So raw would be different. I don't know what the percentage would be, but raw. But either way, I always tell my students, Hey, go with sheep and, and uh, goat dairy instead. It's much uh, more safer than okay, pasteurized cow dairy. Okay, interesting. It's processed a lot easier. So I usually do I usually do sheep and goat because uh, I know I'm one of the 75% I tested my genetics and it showed that. Sheep and goat. What about almond milk? I imagine that's because it's coming from... The issue with almond milk is that almonds have high amounts of something called oxalates. Okay. Oxalates are these tiny little crystals found in plants and okay. nuts and seeds. And uh, it creates kidney stones. And they also, oxalates end kidney up. stones, yikes. Yeah, I know. And they end up in your joints and they end up inflaming your gut. So I'm not a big fan of almonds in general because of the oxalate okay. uh, account. Uh, you could also find high oxalates in spinach and kale too. So okay. I would stay away from almond milk. But if you're going to do like a milk, then macadamia nut milk or coconut milk is a good option. Macadamia coconut milk. Hmm. Yeah, okay. those would be better than almond or, or cow milk. But would you suggest people, even as adults, drink milk? Like, do you think it's necessary? Or could they just get away with, with skating without it? Like cow milk or any milk in Just general? any milk. Just say forget it entirely. I mean, you don't need to, but a lot of people like to do protein shakes. and That's fair. They like to put things in their coffee. People do like to yeah, have their so, coffee. Yeah, yeah. so I heavy, just drink it black, so it doesn't even. Oh, you're me. one of those. Yeah, huh? I'm just, yeah. you're just a psychopath with coffee. You're yeah. like, I, you know, I wish I, I enjoyed mine black. Uh, heavy cream is okay because it's mostly fat. It's mostly milk fat versus milk okay. protein. But I wouldn't put milk in my coffee, like cow milk or anything like that. Okay. So heavy cream is better. You could put butter and ghee. Ghee is actually better because it removes the the lactose altogether. Different things you can do. But yeah, that's it's just interesting because most people don't know that seventy five percent. Yeah, you know, if a hundred people are listening at this moment, seventy five of you are lactose intolerant. Yeah, it's an interesting form of kind of latent American assumption or or bias. Just the the idea of milk, cow milk is totally fine. Everybody can drink it. Like you know, what are you talking about? Is that, well, actually. Unless you're Eastern, Western European from the kind of general Central European Asia 
area, no. Right, <laughs> your, exactly. your lactose intolerant. <laughs> so let's uh, land the plane here, Alec. Okay. I'm just reading some quotes that Addy gave me. Okay. I'm going to read these worthy, she says worthy quotes. Worthy quotes. I used to be really dismissive of tanning addiction until it was a real thing. You just said that. Yes. The sun is an ancient opiate. Yes. Mm. Again, I mean, it just gets back to the idea that before we got clever enough to figure out how to kind of harvest the poppy plants, which we got pretty clever pretty early on, oh, <laughs> on, on, how, sure. to, on how to make morphine and all types of concoctions. But all the way before we, we figured out how to concoct opium or opioids or anything, we were getting a dose of an opioid in our brain through the sunlight. It's kind of the original, original taste of opioids was the sun. And again, speculation, you, you could argue that the way our brain developed to tie the opioid receptors to the sun is in some ways the cause of a lot of opioid addictions because it's just so important that that it's the the entire species is willing to risk a portion or a fraction of people getting addicted to opioids so that at least enough humans get vitamin D synthesis to carry the species forward. So cool. Right. The sun is the source, man. Yeah. It really is. And if you're thinking about that term, I have it here, the heliophilia, addiction to the sun, addiction to sun tanning and tanning salons, et cetera. I used to think it was bogus, but now I am convinced it is a real thing. Yeah. Just to add to the, in the, sun, the sun tanning beds, they're actually quite clever in the way they market. And maybe they do it without realizing it. <laughs> but if you, most sun tanning bed operations, they'll kind of offer... You know, the first three are free. Mm. Right? It's very oh. smart. Oh, okay. Well, the first, you know, first couple are free. It's Why like, not? I feel so good and every you, time I then go. Then you get, you, oh, I feel pretty good. I have a tan. I look good. And also, like, my body kind of likes it. it Maybe subconsciously, but it's, it's an addiction. And suddenly you're hooked right back in. You're paying the membership. And 10 years later, you know, you're just tanned to the gills. And some people are able to, Navigate it fine. Again, everybody's different. Some people won't get addicted to things from my observation. Other people will. But if you're predisposed to it, tanning bed can be just as addictive as you have a surgery, you take some Vicodin, and then yeah, you six months later, you're seer. Are you still doing tanning beds? No. Yeah. I cut myself off. Okay. Yeah. Was it, was it tough? I'm trying to reflect back on it. Yeah, it was. The... Like, did you, what, what was tough about it? Did you just like have the urge? I got to go get to my, go to the tanning bed or was there actual like physical things? No, you were I think it was more psychological than physiological, okay. but it was certainly, I go without coffee for like a day or two. I'm kind of just like, unpleasant to be around. And I, you know, I want coffee. I found it, I had done this experiment during the summer where there was ample sunlight in New York City. And then I was tanning on top of it. And as the fall turned into the winter and the sun and the cloud, it's like 50%, 45% rate of sunniness in the winter. It's pretty gloomy overcast in New York City. 
And my body started to, it was used to a certain level of just ultraviolet light getting, it was used to that, that, that level. And for the first couple of weeks, yeah, my mind was like, oh, you know what would feel better? If you just went to the tanning salon, you would feel better. You would be happier. And I said, well, no, I got to ignore it. It's like, it was, I could feel the compulsion is really what, that's probably the best word. It was compulsion that was just back of my brain that I felt kind of low and, and I don't want to use depression because people have different interpretations of depression, but kind of a low level, just gloom mm-hmm. you know, with a compulsion to, to seek out, you know, like basically textbook, like you know, drug seeking behavior, yeah. right? I had a, 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 a tanning bed seeking behavior that I could detect in myself. So interesting. That eventually went away, but certainly, yes, it, it was there. And I, I had forgotten about this entirely because I did this years ago mm-hmm. or something but that now that you bring it up yes that's fascinating was- uh, we're gonna put the we have some research research studies that you reference we're gonna put that in the notes uh the youtube channel the podcast to go check out if you want to check out the research i recommend you do i'm also gonna put your video of the documentary you did yeah. it's about 30 minutes it's fantastic the editing is great i uh, spent a lot of time on this everybody go watch that we'll reference that down below in the notes anywhere else you want your youtube channel is boss wiki yeah subscribe to it w-i-k-i uh, we'll put that down below. Anywhere else you want the audience to go check you out? Hey, you just Google Boss Wiki. If you like my videos on TikTok or you know, whatever I have to say on Twitter, which is nothing that important. Yeah, just mm-hmm. YouTube. Twitter X. Yeah. X, X, yeah. X, you know, whatever. <laughs> I have a final, a final question yeah. for you. I asked all my guests this okay. question, at least the last 300 guests I started doing this. I talk a lot about a, a supplement that also... Uh, it's anti-inflammatory, like vitamin D. Uh, okay. It helps with inflammation, as I just mentioned. It helps with just feeling better. It could help with oxytocin, GABA. It could help regulate the immune system. It's called vitamin G. Vitamin G, okay. And I call it vitamin G because it's actually experiencing gratitude. It's vitamin gratitude. Okay. So, you know, my shirt actually shows it here. Vitamin D. Oh, look at that. <laughs> I'm so, so non-observable. No, I, mean, I didn't expect you to see that. Yeah. No, I just, I just remember that I'm wearing the shirt. So my question for you Okay, is, yes, now that you have my... Yeah, <laughs> what are you grateful for, my friend? What is your vitamin G today, Alec? Oh, what am I grateful for? I'm grateful that I live in the United States where we have places like Miami, where I can just bounce from New York City to go get some sunlight or go to the beach. That's, I mean, the top of mind is, <laughs> is I'm grateful that we live in a, in a vast, diverse country where one, there are people doing like, despite the cynicism on the internet, I can't even say the word, despite the cynicism on the internet, there are a ton of smart people doing smart research. <laughs> you may not know about it, but it's out there. People are publishing it. They're taking things seriously. People are always trying to move the ball forward on science and it's coming out of the U.S. There's a lot of great stuff coming out of the U.S. I'm grateful that research still gets done. Grateful that I'm able to try things and that people are willing to have discussions and that people are open-minded. Doctors took my calls. They were willing to discuss with me. I'm not you know, I'm trained in medicine or anything. Grateful that you found it interesting, that anybody found it interesting. Grateful for the kind of American culture. Amen to that. Greatest yeah. country in the world. What's the next project? <laughs> Oh man, I don't know. I'm I'm terrible about about any sort of thematic underpinning to my subject matter. I 
I don't know what this next subject is, Ben. Hopefully, it'll be interesting, but we'll see. I trust it. Well, we'll stay tuned. Whatever it is, we'll uh, bring Alec back. I mean, it's not hard to get people to come to Miami. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, thanks for making the trip from New York. I uh, appreciate you. Of course. Everybody go check out Alec's work, his YouTube channel. I would start with that documentary he did. We'll put it down below. And stay tuned for round two when we figure out what's his next project. So thanks, brother. <laughs> Thank you, Ben. Thank you for having me. hope you enjoyed that conversation. I told you it was going to be mind-blowing and fascinating. Please share this with somebody you know struggling with opioid addiction and watch the YouTube version as well. A video format at our studio can be found on youtube.com slash keto camp. Go check out his documentary. It's a 30-minute documentary. You could see the entire experiment. We will drop a link for that down below as well. Consider leaving the show a rating and review and go get registered for the free Toxins Masterclass taking place January 23rd at 12 p.m. Eastern Time. Head to toxinsmasterclass.com. You can also check out the sponsors of today's episode in the notes down below, along with relevant bullet points and details. We put it all together for you in comprehensive show notes, so go check that out. Thank you for spending part of your day with me and Alec. I'll see you in the next episode. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Benazadi, disclaim responsibility from any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own. And this podcast does not accept responsibility of statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or non-direct interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.